0: may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This week, for a number of reasons, I went back to picturing an, um, my firstborn uh, child in the crib. And this week, thinking about um, the wonder and the mystery of life. And you ever think about what your parents wanted for you, their hopes for you, not trying to force them down a road, but what your parents' hopes were for you. And we're standing there and looking at, at Isaac, and for one thing, I'm like, oh Lord, you've got too much confidence in me, I'm a dad. And then looking like, what are your hopes for that child? And you and I can make a laundry list of what do you want for yourself, what do you want for another person, right? for them to be loved, right? for them to be who they are. Right? to know how, however their, God has gifted them to be who they are, to know that identity, right? to feel like they're always supported, and we can make our, our laundry list of all those hopes that we have. Two weeks ago, we had um, our ninth graders, our confirmants, stand up and say, yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus. And with that, it also helps us to focus on, hey, what's important in this life? Right? As we, what should faith look like? How should it make a difference for us and for other folks? How should it make a difference in this world? And maybe it's kind of short-sighted for me to say, what are my hopes for a child? But maybe it's better to say, what does God want for us? What does God want for you? And I think part of that list is to be loved, right? To know that love is stronger than anything else. To know that you don't go it alone. So in thinking about these things, um, I'm going to do a little bit different message here. We're going to do it kind of broken up in three parts this morning but thinking about what are those important things that our Lord wants us to know and to live in and to have. And as the first part of that, uh, you see here a picture of my friend, Mitch. And uh, Mitch and I have been friends for just a a couple of years. And this picture comes from him singing a song at a conference I was at um, earlier in October. Now here's some background you should know about Mitch. Is um, Mitch and his wife, about six or seven years ago, each were living with a very severe cancer diagnosis. Uh, as you see here, this picture is just from a couple weeks ago. Uh, Mitch is, has come through that time. His wife, Sandy, did not. She died about four years ago. And, and knowing that, here in Mitch, uh, a genuine guy, knowing he loves his wife and he misses his wife. They had a big family event. Their oldest son got married this summer and he would have loved to have her there. And at this conference, and you should know, Mitch is not a center of attention kind of person. He said, hey, I'd like to sing a song. And there's a group of about 80 pastors at this thing. And he sings this song. um, And the refrain I have listed there says, Climb in the walls of a hurricane, but overall, I can't complain. And I don't know if I can share the depth of that, but for me, that was so emotional. All that he's been through, and yet there's hope and it's joy I'm thinking about what do we want to have in our life? We want to know our story as, as the people of God. That even in the midst of heartache and sorrow that is real, there is also hope that we can even have joy again. I think I actually uh, got COVID attending that conference, but if it meant I got to hear, hear Mitch give his witness, saying I can't complain about the gift that we have in our Lord, I guess it was worth it on that. To know our story is a powerful thing. The letter that uh, Pastor Ben just read uh, is Paul's letter to the Philippians, and it's known as his most joy-filled letter. And you know where he wrote it from? Prison. And it's not the most joyful because it's like, oh, it's a story where the prison's like a country club. No, not at all. It's terrible. He's in shackles. But because of his story, because of what he has in Christ, the one who was raised from the dead, the one who has a love that that the world had never seen before, right? With that, in the midst of all that he has and all that he's lost, he has joy. That's the power of knowing our story. And that's our hope, a hope for you, for all folks, right? To know our story, to know that gift, to be able to have joy in all these different kinds of circumstances because of what we have in Christ. And I think about this as we talk about knowing our story. Um, you know, why is it that we get so fired up, love and seeing all ages worship together? Because faith is caught more than it's taught. Your little ones, whether you're biological or just part of this community, they are learning that story through you and this life together. How awesome it is. We pray the Lord's Prayer and you hear little voices and younger voices and older voices all together. And why do we do things like milestones where parents and other adults come together and they teach kids how to pray so we know our story and those gifts and those faith practices are with us? Right? Why do we love in the middle of busy people's lives trying to offer things like podcasts and other spiritual resources so we can have that to know our story? And why as pastors do you see us cringe when we get asked to be able to lead another Bible study and we're not able to pull it off out of time It's because that's missing out on an opportunity for more folks to know their story. People of God, what an awesome gift that we have in you. What an awesome gift that we have in our Lord. What a power there is when we know our story as God's people. When I was in uh, seminary, uh, as they do with pastors, one summer you do something called clinical pastoral education. For me it meant being a chaplain um, for about ten weeks at a place called City of Lakes Transitional Care Center. And as I was new there, I was looking at my my patient list who I was going to go see and I hear some of the staff who'd been around there for a while kind of chuckle. They said, I heard you're gonna go see Mildred today. And they kind of smile and laugh, and think, what's this all about? And in my first few days there, there was times I'd hear either visitors or staff members go into a certain room, and I'd hear them every time getting yelled at and chased out of the room. Guess what? That's Mildred. Mildred, and I couldn't help but love that woman right off the bat. Uh, it kind of made it a, a little bit of a challenge going, you know what, well, this is a tough personality. Somehow I'm going to build a bridge. And by the grace of God, that happened. And uh, probably in spite of me, I got to know a real incredible lady. This wasn't maybe said in the nicest tone, but for folks when they walked into Mildred's room, would often hear this, who are you and what do you want? And sometimes it would send people out. Now, maybe you don't like the tone of how that was, but thinking about those two questions for us today. Who are you? Right? You're a child of God. To know your story and what do you want? Right? Why are you here? What's your purpose? And whether you are in high school or any age, that's a huge thing, right? To live and to know you have a purpose. Some of you have told me your story as farm kids saying, well, we got up, we are part of the family farm, we had no lack of purpose. We knew what we were supposed to be about, right? And knowing a purpose is a good thing. And even greater than chores in the family business, how wonderful those might be. You and I have been given an incredible purpose, right, as people of God. And part of our story there at baptism, you hear those words spoken, so let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You have a purpose, right? Your purpose, and maybe we say it in different ways, is for people to know God's amazing love. And that's a purpose you live out. That's your calling as a child of God, no matter what you do, whether you're a student, whether it's how you live and treat those in what you know as your family, whether it's how you live and relate with those in your neighborhood, whether you live out in the country or in the middle of an apartment complex or wherever you're at, that's our calling. And the jobs that you do, and sometimes maybe it's easier to connect the dots, maybe you are a teacher, maybe you uh, work in the corporate world, how you live things out, how you treat people, part of your mission, right, is showing the love of the God that we can't see and how you treat people that you can see. That is part of our mission wherever we go. In Paul's story, he's writing to the Philippians and giving thanks for them, how they live out their purpose. They're letting people know about Jesus Christ. They're letting people know about this amazing love we have in God. And they are also, with that, providing for folks like Paul. He says, God has provided for me through you. And talking about what's happened in ministry, Didn't exactly say this quote, but I'm going to use it, saying other folks got just what they needed because of you. And I give thanks for you and your partnership. We don't live in Philippi. We live here. But so often, God works through you so that your neighbors can have just what they needed. And whether for some of you it's caregiving, some of it's for how you generously support ministries, some of it is in your volunteering at the food shelf or other food ministries. The list can go on and on and on. There's as many gifts as there are people in the room, and that's an awesome thing. Don't ever sell yourself short on how you live out your purpose and how God can work through you. One thing at times is challenging, that I've seen this in some of our surveys, where folks here in our life together saying, I know I have gifts to use, we hear about that a lot, but I'm not sure where to plug in. I'm not sure how to use them. And so, one of our hopes in ministry is to get stronger at helping people see what gifts they have and feeling equipped and connected to volunteer in different ways to make a difference. That's one of the ministries we want to grow stronger in because it makes such a difference. Isn't it pretty cool? It's kind of countercultural. Is that when you use your gifts to make a difference for somebody, life happens not only for the recipient, the beneficiary of that act of service but it also happens, happens for us. Life happens as we are there to serve others. That's at the core of who we are. That's part of our purpose as the people of God. I'm going to share with you this quote from uh, Frederick uh, Buechner. When you think about your gifts and where do you use them, it says, The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. God's blessings to you as we continue to try to grow so that all folks can live out their purpose. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about Farmington Lutheran Church, its ministries, and how to connect to this part of the body of Christ by going to farmingtonlutheran.com. Peace be with you.